Hey friends, this is Pastor Elizabeth, and you're listening to the Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear the second sermon in our series on the prophet Jonah and hearing God's call in our lives. In this sermon, we see how the pagan sailors on Jonah's ship put their faith into action while Jonah was asleep, and how God showed up even when Jonah hit rock bottom. I hope that while you're listening, you might hear something that draws you closer to the heart of God. Here we go. So last week, we left Jonah descending into a ship headed to Tarshish, determined not to fulfill the call he had received from the Lord to go to Nineveh and cry out against against that great evil city. He was headed in the opposite direction from where God had called him, as far away as he could get, committed to fleeing the presence of the Lord. Or if he couldn't do that, to fleeing a place where the word of the Lord had come to him so clearly. I mean, perhaps he thought that uh, moving a farther distance from the temple in Jerusalem, where God's presence was thought to be centered, would muffle the sound of the word of the Lord. And if he got far enough away, he could claim he didn't quite understand the call, or that it didn't make it all the way across the sea to Tarshish, and then Jonah could live in peace without having to cry out against Nineveh. But the Lord wasn't ready to give up on Jonah just yet. And once the boat he was in got out into the middle of the sea, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea so that there was a violent storm. Now note that the Lord didn't just cause a wind or appoint a wind at this point, but hurled one like a weapon, as if the Lord is a little bit frustrated with Jonah just now. And the storm that resulted from this hurled wind was so great that the sailors were worried the ship was going to break into pieces and they would all die. And this would not have been a little sailboat either. This is not like something you would see on Lake Washington or Lake Union on a sunny day in Seattle. But this was a cargo ship. Something designed to go long distances with valuable goods, the kind of thing that would take those famous cedars of Lebanon all the way to the coast of Spain, that 2,000 miles from Joppa to Tarshish. And that gives us an idea of how powerful the storm was and how scared the sailors must have been. Jewish tradition tells us that those sailors represented all 70 nations that were in existence at that time, a way of highlighting that they were Gentiles, outsiders, pagans, that they were a multicultural bunch from many different places, all corners of the world, worshiping many different gods. And of course, when the storm got especially rough and they were afraid, all the sailors began to pray. Now, maybe they had not been pious until this moment, and like many of us, actually surprised themselves by uttering the name of their God as soon as things got serious. Or maybe they were regular devotees of whatever God was prominent in the place from which they had come. But either way, the sailors knew that this storm was out of the ordinary. 
There was some profound meaning to it. It didn't just happen, but was caused by something beyond their understanding. They were at their wit's end, as Psalm 107 describes. And they all cried out to their own deities, just hoping that they would say the right words, appease the right God, and be saved. Then when that didn't seem to be effective, they got practical as well as pious and started throwing cargo into the sea. The cargo was the entire purpose of their trip, but it wouldn't mean anything if the ship broke apart and they were lost along with it. So they tried to lighten their load or perhaps even make a sacrifice of the cargo to appease whatever god had made the sea turn so violent. But all along, while they were doing everything in their power to get through the storm, sweating and grunting, praying in all the languages they represented as the wind and rain beat upon them, Jonah was deep in the belly of the ship, sound asleep. And the Hebrew indicates here that Jonah isn't tossing and turning either. He isn't pretending to sleep. It says he's sleeping peacefully. This is not the sleep of one who is afraid or stressed, not the sleep of someone whose conscience is disturbed. It appears that Jonah is quite comfortable with the decision he's made to flee from his calling, so comfortable that he doesn't even notice that that decision has caused the ship he chose to be tossed about by a violent storm. He's sleeping so soundly that he doesn't hear any of the prayers of many languages to many gods being cried out on the deck of the ship. It doesn't disturb him when they drag heavy cargo across the deck and toss it overboard. And lest we get too judgmental here about a clear-conscienced Jonah asleep in the boat, we might remember Jesus sleeping through a similar storm. Though, of course, he had the power to calm the wind and the waves on his own. And if we're willing to think metaphorically, it might be a good time to confess that we, too, are quite capable of sleeping through disasters, of simply turning off our hearts and minds, closing our eyes to others' struggle. Like Jonah, we might even sleep peacefully, unaware of the problems that we have brought on others with our decisions or actions. In many ways, though we'd prefer to think of ourselves as the pious and practical sailors working with everything they have to save the ship, we might actually be asleep in the boat, too. Perhaps out of self-preservation, because how many storms can we really handle? Or perhaps out of self-centeredness, or simply ignorance, or naivete. Either way, we would do well to have a captain like Jonah had, who, when he realized that one person was missing, found Jonah asleep in the depth of the boat and came down and told him to get up.
And I love the King James translation here. It says, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call on thy God that we perish not. What meanest thou, O sleeper, is the equivalent of, how the heck are you sleeping right now? And then the captain uses the same word that the Lord first sent to Jonah in the very first sentence of our story. He says, arise, get up. And it's interesting that the captain doesn't say, get up and help us or get up and do something, but get up and pray. The captain says, maybe your God is the one who's caused this storm and your prayers can get us out of it. Those other gods would have resided in shrines or temples in the nations the different sailors came from. And perhaps they were all too far away to help. So the captain says, call on your God, Jonah. Invoke your God. Invite your God's presence. Ask your God to draw near. Maybe yours can reach us. It's worth a try. And still, Jonah says nothing. The pagan sailors have prayed and worked while Jonah slept. And even when he's awakened, Jonah is silent. Then the sailors say, let's cast lots to figure out whose fault this is. And in doing this, they would have thrown stones like dice, trusting that whatever God had caused the storm would also cause the stones to fall in a particular way, to show them the truth about what was going on so that they might be able to save themselves. And when the lot fell on Jonah, they asked him all kinds of questions before he finally spoke, giving a confession of faith, saying, I'm a Hebrew. Mine is the God of heaven, the God who created both sea and dry land. Essentially, he says, my God is so expansive. He goes up to the heavens and down to the earth. He covers everything you can imagine. He's not located in one little spot, stuck there with a limited range. My God is all-powerful because he created everything that is. And on hearing this, the sailors are terrified. And we see that Jonah's problem isn't a lack of faith. He believes in God. He affirms his faith right there on the ship in the midst of that storm. Jonah's problem then is that he doesn't do anything with his faith. He can talk about God, but he doesn't talk to God. He can wax poetically about theology, but he doesn't pray. He makes theological observations, but he doesn't obey when he hears the word of the Lord. The sailors, though all of them are pagans, have a beautiful balance between prayer and action. They immediately put their faith to work, while Jonah does nothing. 
And then when the sailors understand that all of this is because of Jonah, and Jonah had told them that the only way to calm the storm was to throw him into the sea, because of course Jonah wasn't just going to repent at this point. He's too stubborn for that. He's not going to agree to go to Nineveh to calm the storm. The sailors then prayed again, now not to their own gods, but to Jonah's God, asking for mercy when they hurled Jonah into the sea, using that same word, throwing back the violent wind the Lord had hurled in their direction. When Jonah sank beneath the surface, the sea ceased its raging. And as the water closed over Jonah's head, the ship itself became a temple. As the sailors worshipped and gave sacrifices to the Lord, the God of Jonah, the God of Israel. And then Jonah's work as a prophet was successful after all, as he had just converted a whole ship of sailors without even meaning to, a whole boatload of folks just like those pagan Ninevites. But of course, that isn't the end of the story. Because even at the bottom of the sea, the Lord pursued Jonah. Jonah might have expected the darkness of the deep to hold his worst nightmare. The monster of the deep that represented all chaos and destruction. But instead, what Jonah found deep in the darkness was that the Lord appointed a fish not a monster, just a fish. And in the belly of that fish, Jonah lived. Earlier this week, our tiny dog, a nine-pound bundle of curiosity and destruction with the sweetest face you've ever seen, attempted to get one of her favorite toys dislodged from behind a chair in our living room. The trouble was that the toy was stuck just behind our Roomba, our robot vacuum. And in trying to get her toy, our tiny dog accidentally stepped on the Roomba, which is where the power button is. And the Roomba came to life and started vacuuming. It was our dog's worst nightmare, <laughs> her greatest fear staring her right in the face. Here came a vacuum with a mind of its own, threatening to eat her alive. And like any good parent, as soon as I realized what was happening, I ran into the room to catch as much on video as I could. <laughs> And though she kept barking to alert me to such a real and present danger, something in our dog's demeanor changed when I came into the room. Because even if I didn't turn off the vacuum immediately, because I was enjoying the scene, <laughs> I was there. And our little dog knew, without understanding the motives of this suddenly animated appliance, that if I was there, she was going to be okay. And I don't mean to say that a dog accidentally turning on a Roomba is just like Jonah descending to the bottom of the sea. 
Obviously, Jonah's story is quite more serious and extreme. But there is a similarity, which is that Jonah came face to face with his worst nightmare. But God was there, and he lived. I don't think it was very pleasant in the belly of the fish. And we'll talk about that more next week. But it also wasn't the monster of chaos and destruction that he would have expected. He wasn't eaten by something horrible. And he didn't even drown. It wasn't the end. And he wasn't alone. Maybe what God wants to say to us through Jonah today is that it's time to put our faith into action, to stop talking about God and talk to God, to wake up and do something with our faith. Or maybe God is calling us just to wake up and notice what's going on around us, how we might even be contributing to others' struggles by our action or inaction. Or maybe what God wants to say to us is that even if we've hit rock bottom, even if our worst nightmare is coming true, even now, we're not alone. God is sovereign even over the depths of our despair. And God's mercy extends to us, pursues us, even there. Even if we've done everything we know how to avoid God. Even if we feel like we've been swallowed by a monster. God's grace is there. There's no getting away from it. And thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Faith Church Podcast. If what you heard was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a friend. If you have any questions, or if we can support you on your spiritual journey in some way, don't hesitate to reach out through our website at www.faithunited.org. Tune in next week for the third sermon in our series, in which we go with Jonah into the belly of the fish. Until then, take care.